Welcome to the Reverberations podcast. This series is curated and hosted by me, Zara Ashad, and made possible with funding and support generously provided by the Design History Society UK. Reverberations as an initiative was originally proposed in late 2018 as an events programme, a set of in-person conversations that would seek to address marginalisation, underrepresentation, and erasure in the UK's cultural and creative sectors. This group of talks was partly driven by my own harmful experiences of the fields in which I professionally practice, specifically museums, academia and design. While the podcast that you are currently listening to, a reincarnation of the aforementioned events programme, was developed throughout 2020, a year defined by COVID-19, the murder of George Floyd and the subsequent heightened energy of the important Black Lives Matter campaign, in addition to new surges in anti-Asian hate. As these happenings and more have been taking place around me, I have doubted the value of public discussion, querying how can we move beyond lip service and help to enact meaningful change. The exchanges that I have had mostly during lockdown with the brilliant group of individuals who feature in this series offer glimpses into the possibilities and imaginings of how such change might be achieved, such as through collectively creating new systems, building networks of care and empathy, and thinking more carefully about whose voices we choose to amplify. The works, ideas and approaches briefly encapsulated here have greatly informed my own thinking, I hope these recordings will be similarly useful for you. Organized around three key themes, institutions, divergent models, and decolonizing design and culture, season one of the podcast broadly focuses on history making, particularly in relation to design history and design studies. The conversations that feature implicitly reflect on how and where our histories have conventionally been told and who gets to tell them through considering the work and experiences of BIPOC peers and colleagues who have navigated, continue to navigate, and frequently resist institutional structures and frameworks in varying ways. Our final speaker for the theme of institutions is Yoande Yoyo Adunabi, an independent artist and creative practitioner who has an incredibly rich portfolio, having worked and collaborated with Touching Base and Babes and most recently, Eyes and We, alongside extensive work experience with large-scale institutions, including London's Wellcome Collection, the Victoria and Albert Museum, Tate, the Southbank Centre, and the ICA, the Institute for Contemporary Arts, to name but a few. Hi, Yuende. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Hello. Glad to be joining you, Zara. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, you, so you've just finished up a fixed term post at Welcome Collection. Um, and of course, we met uh, while we were both working in the design architecture and digital department at the V&A a few years back. Um, and so I thought we could start the conversation by reflecting on, on the fact that much of your experience has entailed working with or for institutions often on these short-term or, or temporary contracts. Yeah, maybe we could kind of open the conversation with some reflection on what this experience has been like for you. Such a good question. 
Um, and I know that it's kind of changed over the maybe last three or four years that I've been doing this type of work. I think at the beginning, having those short stints of either part-time work or contracted work in institutions, I thought was really good for me because it allowed me to still do work outside of those spaces that being really engaged with collectives and companies such as Touching Base and Babes and give a lot of time and energy to that and still do that work, which was really important for me, while also be able to understand how, how institutions working and also how I could create space in those spaces for similar types of work that I was doing that was community grassroots space. I was trying to see where I could thread the two. So I think at the time, I believe that to be like a really good thing in terms of workload, but I think after being in institutions and actually recognising the type of work that I was doing was seen as, I think that the institution needed that work, but I sometimes wondered if they really saw the real value of what that work and those people that were being engaged or being brought to into the museum to engage with the public whether they saw the real value of that work mm. because often these programs were kind of like live program and if you know live program sometimes it'll just happen for one evening or over a course of a period of time and that's mm. it you won't kind of see any resonance of that in the museum or gallery space so for me I started to kind of really open my eyes to sometimes the temporality of that work and that also concerned me in mm. wanting because I really was about like yeah opening up space and occupying space in those museums and galleries but I didn't want it just to be for one evening I wanted it to be in the fabric of the museum and then the museum take those programs and really see how it could change its practices and think differently so I'm now at a point where doing contract work or doing part-time work in museum is okay for me because I kind of also realized maybe that's not the place for me to grow my practice and mm. it's better for me for me to have a shorter stint in there and do the work that I need to do and then really focus time and energy on work and practice outside of that because that's where I can see myself really growing and making a lot more change and that feels more valuable to me. On the one hand being employed you know on this kind of short-term or temporary basis like there is an element of first of all precarity around that also in everything that you've kind of outlined in terms of how your work may resonate a lot of the time in cases may not resonate within kind of the institutional framework but that aside do you feel that being in these positions have also enabled you to be perhaps a bit more fluid and nimble with the work that you're able to deliver well that's a really good question I think yes and no and I say yes because I think in the positions that I've held as a producer cultural producer whatever you want to call it I've been able to program things that often maybe other colleagues won't get to program in the museum because of the specific program that we, as in when I say me, I think of other direct colleagues or managers that I've worked with, we've got to program in the museum. But at the same time, I think within the museum and other colleagues, especially those who are in quite traditional curatorial roles or kind of roles that are kind of known in the museum, that nimbleness or difference can also be a negative thing and I say a negative thing is in that sense of I wonder how much they see the work that we do and see the value or the legacy of that in the museum so it's kind of like yeah you can be nimble and get stuff in but then you don't want to just get stuff in you want to see it have permanency you want to see it have legacy 
I think there's that wrestling between the two of like, yeah, it's great we can get in for one night, but what happens afterwards? And if we as like programmers or like producers can't, I guess, go beyond those evening events, which I think are important that it happens, like those moments of, you know, deep conversation, like really focused attention is really important, but then their conversations need to go somewhere. So how can we get beyond the nimbleness for that longevity, if that makes sense? No, definitely. And I mean, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was, you know, around the kind of transient nature of some of the work and projects that you've been involved in. You know, you mentioned them sometimes being these one-off kind of evening events, less permanent forms of programming. But have you, on a more personal or individual level, thought about how you might capture or document the work that you do for other audiences are not necessarily in relation to how an institution might work, but perhaps in terms of hitting some of the audiences that you're trying to target through the work that you've been putting together. Oh gosh, it's so funny because I'm so bad at documenting my work. (laughs) (laughs) And and my friends tell me this all the time. It's like we, for me personally, I'm so, I get so involved in the work and making the work happen I often forget my forget myself or forget that documentation process so I'm also remembering these amazing happenings or conversations and sharing them with other people or bringing other people within my community or who have an interest in I want to get better at that because I think that's really important and I think sometimes when you work for an institution maybe this is just me actually I shouldn't generalize for everyone I really want the institution to do that, to kind of really focus on like that, to really give time and attention to documenting that, because also yeah. I'm working for you and I'm doing this in your space. And these collaborators are coming in because whether that be the theme or also working for the institution, they're keen to kind of bring their work in there. So that's important for the institution to document that for the artists they're working with, but also for the institution, because it's also them acknowledging the work that's happening in their space and they consider right. that as important. And I think it's like documentation or kind of sharing that with my public is for me on a personal level, I want to grow into that and do that more because I think it's valuable. But I think when I'm working for institutions or any space, like it's important for them to do that more so than me, because that's also their job to Mm. do that. It's not necessarily, it's, it's it's an added bonus if I do it, but really that's their job of the marketing team, the comms team to help extend those programs or extend you know the art like promotion and platform of the artists that they're inviting in because you're actively inviting someone into your space and like there's a reciprocal nature in terms of that exchange so how can the institution also be you know platforming those ideas and platforming those people so that feels for me maybe more more where that documentation and archiving also needs to sit because sometimes it can get lost often when it's not recorded or documented and it's kind of like yeah did it happen or like was the institution even paying attention or seeing it as a record of something that they may be building into their practice I mean I don't know if they are but that's another whole other thing but yeah (laughs) no I I mean I definitely agree Where, where does that responsibility lie you know as I was asking the question on the one hand I do think that it is the responsibility of the institution to be taking on that documentation. But I suppose I was also thinking about this in relation to you, for the lack of a better term, a cultural producer. Where is your kind of, A, visibility in that? 
and your agency. So when I spoke of documenting this work on an individual level, I think I was also kind of thinking about it in relation to you kind of being present as the author of that work. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's anything that you can kind of speak to your visibility in those, yeah, in these kinds of situations. Yeah, I mean, that's something I've been, I've sat with a lot. And I think those questions have come up a lot when I'm doing the work. And that mm. comes from a space of like, as a like cultural producer. I mean, maybe it could be generalized for all types of producers that like sit in across the whole sector, but speaking on behalf of, I guess, cultural producers who kind of just produce a range of things. Often you're so behind the scenes. <laughs> and like, for me, it's just that focus of like, oh, I'm just doing the work. I'm just getting stuff that I'm helping to facilitate and helping to kind of platform different ideas that often mm-hmm. I myself can lose myself in the work that's being done and maybe not acknowledge my part in there. And I think that's something that I think, let's say culturally in the arts, what I've seen and what I've known is that cultural producers often can get lost. It's different if you're a curator. Curators can tend to have their names on things a bit more publicly mm-hmm. than cultural producers are. You're, or program producers there's so many names for this thing but it's all the same thing is that often mm. you're just in charge of programming and largely it's just like the artists or whoever the other collaborators are that kind of have maybe more of a, a voice on the program so I have been thinking about that more so I think when you're a freelancer maybe it's slightly different because I think you can name more things because you're building a portfolio for yourself so having like your name on stuff I think when you're a freelancer I think it's a bit more visible but also, when you're in an institution, it's not often the case that that will happen. So mm-hmm. it is something that I have been, I think, wondering about, especially when I'm thinking about labour mm. and I like visibility, both on the side of the people that employ me but and the artists that I work with. I'm wondering about my visibility in that and also not just to like physically produce and the production and orchestration of things, but also where my artistic vision and contribution lies and that visibility is something that I've been trying to negotiate and also question that role this role that I sit in and try to expand it more which probably kind of lends to where I'm at now and what I'm trying to explore yeah I mean I think like that distinction that you picked up on between curator and creative producer cultural producer I think that's quite an interesting one where one might have more visibility over authorship and the other doesn't do those distinctions kind of factor in when you're undertaking any work because some of the work that I see you do I mean I could easily call you a curator as well but although I mean you might not necessarily use that title or think that you are but elements of thinking how you pull programming together I think, you know, of course, there are overlaps with that kind of work. Have you ever kind of thought about those ideas? So I often sit between the term like producer, culture producer and creator. And like, it's so bad when you internalize institutional like ways of thinking. Because sometimes in my head, I'm just like, I have a really fixed idea of what like a curator is from what I've known in terms of working institution. I've been like Mm. curator, someone working with collections and, you know, really having a really deep focus, specific history around either a certain period of art or kind of certain medium or someone who's like, you know, a curator really deep in exhibitions and kind of like bringing objects and different themes together 
and like focusing on like a gallery space and experience. And then on the other side, I realized that I do, I mean, maybe necessarily not collections work. That's definitely not my bag, but definitely on the exhibition side of things, I do sit in that space because I do think of cultural creative producers as doing work similar to cultural, um, not cultural producers, sorry, um, curators in that way of, yeah, picking themes and like, you know, picking objects and objects in the sense of different artists' work. And that can be in all mediums to kind of piece narratives or stories together and create a journey for the audience to kind of maneuver through and take from and thinking about the audience experience in such a different way. So I thought I would pick up on some of the conversational threads that you've already touched on. In planning for this podcast, we've had a number of discussions about how to go about creating spaces and platforms for marginalized voices within museums and institutional contexts. And I wanted to expand on this and ask, how do we go about carving these spaces in a way where we avoid the host institutions so the providers of the physical space in which these conversations take place? How do we avoid these institutions co-opting our efforts for lip service or marketing purposes? How have you personally negotiated those challenges? I think it's quite a complex question. I think for me to answer, as I was listening to you say that question, I guess the first thing that was in my mind was, I think it's very hard, a hard thing to do to orchestrate the way the institution will take use or kind of house your work especially if you're not in a senior position or a high position of directorship is that it I think that's the word or just a director level probably easier for me to say because I think that's where a lot of power is held and someone of my position when I've been in those spaces I've had limited control in terms of like how the work can be positioned especially in marketing space. That's not something that I could really define that much in my role just because of the way certain institutions work. And so because of that, it was really whatever the institution wanted to do or how they wanted to frame it, I could only control it so much. Um, So I think sometimes for me, it's maybe just recognising those limitations, especially to my role, but also within the different kind of bureaucratic structures that exist in the museum or the institution in itself. So it's, I think it's quite difficult to avoid. I think there's things that perhaps can limit that or maybe what's a better phrase of saying it, like counter it a little bit. I think if you, you're in a position to be named on your work, the institution can support you to have your name on that programme and to support your position in delivering that programme. I think that can help towards, you know, recognising that it's the individuals that are doing that work, the individuals that are working with those artists to produce these programmes, these themes that are really tackling interesting, challenging and quite complex and nuanced subject matters in the space. And it's not necessarily the institution. I think bringing the producer or curator programme into the forefront, I think is a step in doing that as well as the artists as well especially if it's like in collaboration. I think for me, one of the things that I have tried to do because I couldn't always, well, actually I don't think I can really 
name myself in the work that I was doing when I was in institutions because that's just not what the procedure was was thinking about my relationship to artists and thinking more so about how I positioned the way that I worked with them so when they came on the program they knew that it wasn't the institution they were working with and like even though to a degree it was but just the way that I held space was able to kind of um, facilitate that relationship between us that was me or like me myself or and my manager at the time this is when I'm thinking about the VNA and maybe even um, other spaces where I've worked as well I think that feels really important in terms of just thinking about I guess that care relationship between myself and the artist and thinking about my efforts and labor there and I think it's not an easy process to always well, just to do that work, I think it does take a lot out of you because you are positioning yourself in a particular way that is can be quite difficult when, especially if you are a marginalised body in the institution, which also has an assault on your personal body. And then when you're bringing in other marginalised bodies into that space, you're kind of having to do your best to kind of, I guess, support them as well as find ways to support yourself and that's often quite hard so I think that that I guess that reality also I think should be kind of recognized for I guess the producer doing the work and also the institution I think one thing I see people doing more and more now is also taking ownership and agency of their work and you know developing their own portfolios outside of institutional like formal institution institutional recognition so being able to have their own website or like a digital portfolio where they've said been able to name that the work that they've done and did like you know present themselves as an entity that is doing that type of work to push themselves and propel them forward it's not something that I'm the best at doing and I slowly do stuff um, and I'm hoping to get into a position um, now of doing that more being able to kind of have a bit more of a portfolio for myself to kind of push my own visibility largely those things that I've said is maybe steps in I think countering it but I just I think it's really difficult to avoid it and often what I've been thinking about more and more is just like if you really want to avoid or remove that risk of like the institutions like co-opting that work it's just don't do it in an institution do it outside in your own spaces that you cultivate and you know host because you can control the parameters and you know what your intentions are. Maybe more so if that institution that you're working with isn't thinking about what it means to kind of integrate and reform the ideas, not just within like programming structure, but in cultural structure and in thought structure of the individuals there. But I guess another thing to also say is that if technically if they're in institution, there's probably a bigger chance that level of reform might not happen because it's inherent in the fabric. I let's step outside of the institution for for a minute because you know you have been involved with such an eclectic range of projects as I was rolling them off for the for the introduction. <laughs> it never ceases <laughs> to amaze me your energy and you know the the richness of your contributions. And you've, of course, worked as an independent creator um, yourself and also in collaboration with other people. Can you share with us a little bit about 
what you're currently working on and also maybe even like past uh, projects, excuse me, that might have been significant for you as well. Yes, so I'll probably start with like past work. So before the past year of like lockdown and Corona, maybe the two biggest projects that I worked on was the Babes Alternative Grad Show in 2019. There was a bunch of us from Babes working on it, but um, this was the se second iteration of Babes Alternative Grad Show, which was a group exhibition in Peckham, Copeland Gallery, which there was like an open call and we selected 10 black queer women, um, non-binary trans artists to showcase their work and what they had been working on over this period of time. And that was really, really, really great um, to kind of work on that project and have that impact and be in that space and kind of just see people kind of taking that work and it was a mixture a mixed medium of work so from, from performance to video work to like installations like we also had a shop and we were selling lots of magazines from different people in the more smaller community and bigger community dare I say wider community and then later on that year so like end of 2019 I did a event with touching base called Black Home and a couple of people from Babes at the time were also in it as well and that was kind of an event thinking about the club space's sanctuary so thinking about what the club space has been to Black and LGBTQI plus like people as a space to gather, commune but also create and like thrive in that space amongst community and also just to make amazing music and energy out of that but then also thinking about how that space is still relevant presently, but also how we need to think about other spaces that expand beyond that as we expand community and expand what we need. And then like in the last year, I was fortunate enough to actually produce a performance program with mm -hmm. my close friend and kind of artist collaborator Rowan Ayinde. And this was, there was no place that cannot be home. And that is a line from Audrey Lord's poem school note and that was at now gallery and that was really looking at black performance simple performance thinking about poetry thinking about actual dance and movement and kind of opening up the space of the black body and think about what is needed for us to create a shared language of liberation and thinking about like movement and the communication of movement being a source for that and opening up that dialogue and that really was really beautiful because not only was I getting to explore dance in the ways that I really wanted to and kind of in my direction I've always really loved producing dance performances in program I love dance is something that's really connected to my spirit but it was also great to be able to do it with a theme and focus that really aligned where my mind was at and um, mm. it was the first iteration of a collaboration between me and Rowan we had collaborated before in Touch and Base but also in another project called Finding Soul that we did with our friend Taylor Rappaport, where we'd curated uh, an exhibition and an evening programme called Finding Soul, which was thinking about community mm -hmm. and thinking about that sense of being, like how community can foster that and grow that and how the two are feeding off each other. And that kind of language around community and the I, how that being so interconnected was also a riff of what, me and rowing I guess developed our name into being so we are called eyes and we and that mm. comes from this connection between the fact that the eyes inherently in the we and the we is inherently in the eye and this 
almost this ode to the way that we want to work and the way that we work in terms mm-hmm. of thinking collaboratively and also recognizing that community and that community energies are always inherent in how we um, make work, think about work, think about our connections to other people that is beyond work and just connected in spirit. So that's re- it feels really important for us to keep on reminding ourselves of our name as we're doing our work to really think about what is work doing and how we're relating to ourselves as well as other people so it's almost like this mirror so that's kind mm-hmm. of where I'm, I'm at now so working a lot with Rowan to kind of do not just programming work or curatorial work but also thinking about art that we individually want to make and collaboratively want to make that meditates on that idea. Yeah I mean and you mentioned that dance is really important to you and I know that in previous conversations that we've had um, you mentioned that you feel that your practice is evolving first of all to include more uh, research-based elements but also in terms of focusing more on the dance element and and performance as well and also congratulations you've just been awarded a major grant from Jerwood Arts which you nonchalantly (laughs) mentioned to me in our previous conversation I think that's a (laughs) tremendous achievement but yeah can you tell us perhaps a little bit more about these new these kind of morphing future directions that you're kind of hoping to set out for yourself yeah and also I'm just gonna just first start off being like you know what like in terms of the Jerwood Arts things I said it so like casually well maybe not even casually in my mind it was almost like in brackets like quietly because I still feel a level of like discomfort around it and that just mainly just because it feels really new to me and I never really like I'm so used to be behind the scenes so to be in front I'm still like learning it's like baby steps uh, I think it's I think it's also like maybe there's so much like I think there's so much in that in terms of maybe the reason that I am that way which is like personal but also just that thing of it could be a mix of cultural and personal that you know mm. even though it's an achievement like and it's something that I am really really proud of and really really grateful for because I never thought that would be in that position but in my mind and maybe this is also a thing about perfectionism I'm not even like resting on it because I know there's so much work to be done for me to explore with that so it's just like I don't often get that moment to really sit with it it's not until even sometimes after a project that I'm like actually that was such a really good period of time when I had the moment to reflect on stuff and actually you know when people come and tell me that oh do you remember when you did that thing I really loved it and I'm able to kind of step back because I'm so much in it that I can't often really take it in or I sometimes feel like oh is it like am I allowed to be loud about it when I'm still trying to navigate it so that's also just mm-hmm. something I'm also trying to navigate even when I was telling you about the website and actually that also really leads into kind of where I'm at now mm-hmm. in terms of thinking about my position as a producer like curator and these in-betweens that I sit in and this exploration of visibility. And I think when I'm doing all the work that I'm doing, I'm constantly thinking. And often there's never really much time to sit and like really go into some of those thoughts and really unpick them and actually begin to draw interesting threads that can be um, expressed in really interesting ways. Because I have the desire to express more creatively than I do now. 
and mm. I've been often just trying to like work out what does that look like and that feels true to me and feels truer to an expression that I feel personally and emotionally tied to I'm someone who's really connected to feeling like even how I've gotten to this position now I've just kind of I've done the work but I felt my way through I've never really had a set plan for how I've gotten here and I think to the work that I'm interested in now I have often been thinking about the labor that I've put into all the work that I've done and when I've been doing all these things as I was telling you before just forgetting about like maybe just the the bigger picture of the work and really taking it in I've just so been so focused on trying to not just get it right but just make sure people are having a good experience and like you know make sure people can really receive in the work that if I or other or artists have envisioned that I've often just like left myself behind and left behind my body which is such an important part to the work that we do and to just our existence in the world anyway and I think mm. that leaving behind of my body is something that over especially over the last like two three years I've really been thinking about because I've had injury because this work can be really physical and that injury had left me to be in a position where sometimes I really couldn't dance and I couldn't dance for long periods of time and I really love dance, not just to watch and engage with, but also to move. Like that's something that I do with friends. That's something how I communicate, like my joy and my, like, you know, just my being. And it's something also that like when I was in Babes, something that I just, I did on stage, like I performed, like that was just me. And that was me in a self that was really confident and vibrant. And like being in a position where that was limited, I was just really wondering about the ways that we work, the way we produce and it's like, is there something that can be changed? The ways that, you know, especially when you do this work as a cultural producer, often you're like learning it as you go on. There's no teaching manual. There's no development course. You're just thrusted in. And especially for a lot of cultural producers who come into institutional spaces and freelance spaces, you're coming from different experiences. You're bringing in lots of different experiences to kind of do that work. And when you do that, you're working with your whole self, like you're working with, you know, your personal connections to community, grassroots, like um, sensibilities and expertise and trying to kind of, you know, fit certain molds. And for me personally, I was just really questioning a lot of the ways that I've been working and questioning how it was good for me and also question how it was good for the ways that I was working with artists and employers and really just wanted to challenge that. And the ways that I wanted to do that was through my body like how was I being more attentive to my body how could I explore that and how could I like be more present with my body and how could I communicate these things that I was feeling and then use that as an opportunity to challenge the ways that I had been working and challenge producing and curatorial practice and ways to work with artists and be more present in myself and then I think that's kind of opened itself to not just trying to kind of change practical practices but also it's opened like a pathway to me thinking about, oh, actually, what does my artistic practice look like that mm. can be embodied and can be really physical and expressed in a different way that moves away from just being really organised and really practical? How can it be poetic in a different way? And I think doing that programme last year with Rowan at Now Gallery really was important to think about when we, or when people like programme dance, which you're bringing in a performance or you're bringing in an artist who has like, you know, a really interesting narrative or perspective and how they're communicating that through their body and how they're kind of creating different puncture points. How can you also take it on 
the same way if you go to a talk and you like listen to lots of different conversations and someone makes a really good quote like oh my god I need to you know really digest that and like put that into my practice how can you do that with performance how can mm. performance and dance and movement also be something that you personally take away and embody it you don't just look at it and just be like oh that was so amazing and then it's just left as that with the artist how do you also connect with that so I'm really interested in exploring that and I think this space between me as a producer and the artists that I've worked with and also the institution all these in-betweens have always I think has always just been like interesting spaces for me to like think about stuff so now is an opportunity to be like okay let me sit in it and play in it and I'm really interested in allowing myself to play and not be as responsible as I've been before and just you know expand on that so that's kind of that's where I'm at right now I'm interested in furthering yeah I mean I think you you know your approach to describing your experiences but also your own practice in terms of bodily experience I think has been an interesting one, particularly in the context of this podcast, because you know, you're speaking on an episode which specifically intends to reflect on institutional frameworks or working with, under, for, outside of those systems, and reflecting also on, I think, some of my own kind of past experience, especially when you mentioned kind of the harm that your body encounters when doing this work. I think that's really pertinent to this conversation because we are often placed in a position where our body is taking that trauma. But then you can also think about this in terms of, well, what spaces do we occupy as physical bodies and as intellectual bodies as well? So I think that is something, a question that I hope well, first of all, listeners, speakers, and also those around me um, might be able to reflect on a bit more. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really insightful kind of way of encapsulating that experience. I thought we could finish perhaps talking a little bit more about future directions. I mean, of course, you know, you've mentioned that dance and performance are fields or mediums, if you will, that you want to kind of develop further. But where, where else can you kind of see yourself going over the next few years or, or what's kind of in the works? So I um, I don't tend to think in more than year gaps, but <laughs> 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 in 2021, I'm hoping to create like a, for want of a better phrase, like a dance film, film performance, and hopefully expand it into like an installation. And that's my my own solo like foray into physically articulating some of these questions mm. and um, thinking about the space that I occupy in my own body and like the expansion and the closeness and the intimacy of that. And I think me getting closer to acknowledging myself and remembering myself and almost archiving myself in that experience and the uh, experience that I'm trying to create in that film and hopefully will resonate through the screen. So I'm working on that. Really want to use this opportunity to also like grow my practice and dance. I've never trained for me. I mean, there was like, I had one year, but I'm not even going to call that a thing. But <laughs> but like, I really want to, um, yeah, spend this year really training my body, conditioning it, 
like thinking about movement, trying to do as much as I can peer-to-peer training. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, that's really important to work with people that I admire um, and largely Black practitioners um, and like grow practice through peer collaboration. And also as a means of physically archiving that connection and wanting to archive that connection with the artists that I work with, because I think it's really, it's it's always important for me to be showcasing and like championing other people's work that I really admire as like I'm encountering them like and in a way that's more so than I've done before that is kind of like legacy on my part in the like as the work that I'm building since I will be my own I guess thing I was gonna I'm not gonna call myself an institution but kind of like my this is gonna be my own project so I can decide the legacy that's being built and how things are being documented so I really want to be mapping those connections, which feels really important to me. And then myself and Rowan have some stuff in the pipeline, thinking a lot about mapping connections between the people that we work with and what that looks like. There's a lot of play and experimentation that feels really important to me right now, mm. because I feel like a, a lot now that I'm staring at myself in the mirror and it can be a confronting space, but a really beautiful space because it's allowed me to be visible to myself. And I think that's really important for me now in my practice to be confident with it. But also I think it can only just make my work more richer because I'm being braver, more courageous and allow better dialogue with people. Um, I really want to not have too many conversations. I mean, I'll still have them, but not have my conversations be in like between, just between one or two people and in the shadows, be able to kind of open that up more. So I'm kind of just open to where that goes. Like this is the first time, I guess, for me, I'm also quote unquote publicly talking about stuff. I'll talk about this stuff to people. But so this is also another thing that I've done this year that's talking about what I hope to do in practice. So I'm just, yeah, I'm hoping just to be braver and I'm interested in how people receive my work because it's going to be really different from what I think people know of me or maybe my expect or it might not be I don't know but I'm just open to seeing how people react to it so yeah yeah I mean that sounds great I'm so excited to see what you'll come out with over the next few months I wanted to say thank you for you know allowing this to be the space where you do speak publicly about the work that you have done that you are doing the kind of thinking and reflexivity the self-reflexivity kind of processes that you've been engaged with I really do appreciate that this is the platform that you've chosen to do that and yeah just generally thank you again you know for being up for the conversation and for sharing your thoughts your contribution your amazing energy with us today thanks you Wendy no thank you Dara like I'm just like it feels good to say it to you because uh, I feel safe in doing so, but just also just, it's nice to say things out loud and I look forward to hearing it back. <laughs> and maybe like, as a reminder of the stuff that I said and I can write down notes of what I need to do. But, <laughs> but no, thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk and yeah, to hear myself, but also to kind of hear you as well. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify or whatever platform it is that you use to access your podcasts. This will help other listeners to find us. With special thanks to Davinia Gregory, Ellie Michaela Young and Mega Rajguru for their continued support and guidance. Jenna Alsop 
for editing season one of the Reverberations podcast, and Claire O'Mahony, Chair of the UK Design History Society, for championing this work. <laughs>